Hi everyone and welcome to another episode of the Motherkind podcast with me your host Zoe Blasky where each week I chat about all things motherhood and well-being. My mission with this podcast is to help you reconnect to you, to feel happier, more joyful, calmer and that little bit kinder to yourself because I think life as a mum in this hectic modern world is hard enough as it is. I believe becoming the happiest, most alive version of ourselves is the most important and inspiring thing we can do for our children. Could you have post-pandemic depletion? This week's guest says that living through the stress and uncertainty of the pandemic has probably had a far greater impact on us than we realise And we need to take a moment to process it before diving back into the busyness of life. Amy Taylor-Kabaz is a matrescence activist and she is the author of the amazing book Mama Rising. She came on back in 2020 and I got so many messages about that episode. So I'm absolutely thrilled that Amy is back talking about this incredibly important and probably under- recognized thing that we have all been through. I hope this episode gives you tons of validation and support. Here it is. Well, Amy, I was just saying, I cannot believe that it was two years ago that we had that incredible conversation about matrescence and your new book. Well, it was new. That's not new now. So much has happened. That's what we're going to talk about because that was pre-pandemic, that was pre-what's going on in the world now, and obviously what's going on in Australia now. So I cannot wait to reconnect and to have another conversation with you. It was loved deeply by my community, so welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me back. I'm so incredibly grateful to step back into your audience and your community. You have such an amazing community. I've connected with them so much over the last two years, so thank you. And how are you? Because on top of, you know, post-pandemic, war in Europe, Australia is also going through a really, really challenging moment. How are you and how are your community? I have to be honest, we're struggling here a lot. As you said, there's a lot of mamas around the world, a lot of families that are finding things really hard at the moment. We have what's happening in the Ukraine and That alone would have deeply affected me and the women in my community. But I think our conversation tonight is about depletion we get from dealing with trauma or intense situations over and over again. And what I'm seeing here in Australia is not only have we dealt with two years of the pandemic, we now have yet another massive natural disaster here in Australia with the floods in northern New South Wales and Queensland. And you might hear in my voice, it actually makes me really emotional because my job on a day-to-day basis is to be in community with mums. And what I'm hearing from them is not just a COVID depletion, but now we have mums who have lost everything here in Australia. Like literally the mummerising community, which are beautiful women who are out there supporting mums and messaging me saying, I have three women who have just given birth in the last two weeks and they have no home to go back to. How can we help them? It's full on here, but we'll get through it. What do you do when you get messages like that? Do you go into feeling first or action first or both? What a great question. 
it's feeling first, but I have learned after 10 years of holding space for mums that there has to be a container for that. You know, I can feel it, but it can't overtake me. I think when you work or even just as a human being right now, you know, I'm hearing from so many women who are like, I can't watch the news. I can't keep taking this in. It's just too much. And that's okay. We're not closing our eyes and putting our blinkers on and saying, I don't want to look at it. We're saying, this is my capacity at the moment. And so I feel it, I take it in, but I also know my capacity now. I didn't used to. It was a lot for me for a very long time, but I've learned how to, like the activist in me over the last two weeks has wanted to create a new charity. Let's get mama rising people on the ground. Let's build their houses. Let's send them nappies or diapers. I'm not sure we call them in the UK. The activist in me wants to do all of these things, but at the same time, I'm still a mum. I'm a woman. I need to make sure that I'm only giving as much as I can give. So that's the dance I'm doing now. I think with what's going on in Ukraine in particular, that's such an interesting reflection point because it's such a fine line. I'm really learning this between educating myself and knowing what's going on versus flooding my system. And as someone with a trauma history and trauma background, I have to be really, really careful about that. How do you tread that line? Because it's so easy to consume everything get myself into that state of panic and then shut down, like that dorsal shutdown where then I just can't do anything. So I'm really learning at the moment how to consume the right amount but not overwhelm myself. What does that line look like for you, particularly holding space for, you know, hundreds, thousands of people around the world? I think the greatest training in this was that I was a journalist with the ABC for 15 years. So my job was to live those crises every single day. I was senior producer on ABC Radio during 9-11. I was frontline on bushfires. So many moments in my career before this was dealing with daily trauma. It was one after another, after another, after another. And it made me sick. It made me angry. It disconnected me from so much joy because I was just constantly in this place of another day, another story, what next? It made me numb in the end. And so I think that's really helped me to be able to hold space for so many women through all of the things that we've been through over the last two years and also then say, no, here's my boundary. This is all I can do. I think that was a really great training ground because I went so extreme. I was so into the daily living, obsessed with Twitter. What are we going to do? What story are we going to cover tomorrow? How is this going to happen? Yeah, I got burnt in that a lot. What advice or sort of steer would you give to mothers who might be listening right now who are feeling on that edge of sort of compassion burnout, empathy burnout, just burnout? We're going to talk specifically about the pandemic shortly. What would you say to them for right now? Have you got anything that they could do sort of immediately the moment they finish this podcast that could help bring them back to that more sort of equilibrium state? I think the great thing to think about here is that, you know, when we become mums, we activate a part of our brain that changes from me to we. That's actually part of the motherhood, the matrescence experience is that our brain, it's been scientifically, neurologically proven, we stop thinking about ourselves and we start thinking about the world 
because that's the way we've been programmed. It's been proven. That's what our brain does. So you are wanting to understand what's happening in the world. You are more connected to the mothers you see escaping the Ukraine and to others that may not even make sense. And even to yourself, it may not even make sense. You feel like, why am I so affected by these people I don't even know? Why is this so consuming me? In my mama community, I'm hearing a lot of women saying, I don't even know why I'm feeling so upset by this. And so I kind of want to say to everybody, the reason you're feeling upset is because you're a mum and your brain's being rewired to be connected to human beings, to the planet, to the earth, to the future for our children. So we look at this on the news and we feel this now. That's not a weakness. It's not oversensitive, emotional, too emotional, all the things that we tell ourselves. No, this is our superpower. This is what happens when you become a mum. You become so connected to everybody. So what do we do with that? We check in with ourselves and say, I can't watch it today. It's too much. I've already dealing with a child who's got anxiety or a childcare centre that's shut down because of COVID again, or I am at capacity. Turning the news off is not a bad thing. Know that you are aware of your emotions. You know that you are connected to it all. It's okay. Look after yourself first. Yeah, it's so true. And Glennon Doyle, who I know that we both love, she says there is no such thing as other people's children. And I really, really have noticed that in myself. It's just, yeah, I think it's such an incredible opportunity, as you say, for mothers. And I often say this, you know, the Dalai Lama said the world will be saved by the Western woman, but apparently in private, he said the world will be saved by the Western mother. I didn't know that. I've said that. In my book, I actually said, I think it will be saved by the Western mother. I didn't know he said that. That's so cool. Yeah. I can't remember where I read or heard that. And I don't know if it's true. It's totally unfact-checked. But I apparently he said it in private. But who knows if he said it or not. But still, it's an incredible opportunity and even more reason, isn't it, for us mothers to keep ourselves topped up because we can't do the activism work or even just, you know, the tiny little steps of activism that we might do by checking in with a neighbour. We can't do any of that if we are totally depleted, can we? And we've just come off the back of two years of the pandemic. And you've coined this phrase, post-pandemic depletion. Tell us what that is and how did you start to first realise that this was a thing? I first realised it because... When the first lockdown happened in Australia in March 2020, I created a little pop-up program. I said to my community, okay, we're doing this, we're going into lockdown, we don't know what it's going to be like, let's all just support each other. And that grew to this community that's been going for two years. So I've had the great privilege of really being with these mums and hearing how they're feeling. At first, you may all remember in early 2020, you were like, oh, we're going to make sourdough bread and we're going to sort out the photo albums and we're all of this enthusiastic sort of experience. And then over the next two years, I've really seen as we've emerged back into the community at different times, depending on where you live, this reluctance, this exhaustion, this depletion. 
And part of my work has been really studying what happens to a woman when she becomes a mother, of course. And that was influenced in part by the work of Dr. Oscar Serilac, who really created, who I know you know as well, and whose work is so important for mothers and women, who really created this term postnatal depletion. And when I looked at the descriptions of what he said beyond the hormones, the descriptions of tired but wired, the descriptions of tired even after a good night's sleep, hypervigilant, not able to stop, you know, that feeling of even though all the kids are asleep and everything's okay, I still have to go, I have to go, I have to go. Loss of libido, loss of motivation, this feeling of I should be better by now, like everything's gone back to normal, which is what we see in motherhood. You know, when the baby starts sleeping and everything starts going normally, we don't feel good still. You know, we still have this feeling of I can't relax. Even though the baby's sleeping, I can't relax. And what I was seeing in all of these months that I was speaking to is something very similar, which is this sense of the world is going back to normal, but I don't know how I feel about that. And it's a level of depletion and exhaustion and trauma that I think we need to talk about. Just like we say to women, you need to bounce back after motherhood to be who you used to be. We're saying to women, now that COVID is over, well, not over, but now that we're returning to normal, you need to go back to who you used to be. No, no, no. We're never going to be the same. We've had two years of this. We've had women giving birth without their partners in the hospital. We've had babies who haven't been able to see grandparents for 18 months. We've had no support, no childcare, no resources that we should have had. We can't say to these women and families, we're normal now, let's go back. We have to acknowledge that this is going to take some healing. Is that the first step, acknowledge it? Yes, I believe so. Because the reason why I believe that is because I have seen the power of a word like matrescence. So my whole business, my whole passion and life is built on this one word because when you give something a word, it frees a woman from the judgment that she's holding. You know, my teacher at Columbia University, I think the godmother of matrescence, Dr. Aurelie Athens says, Words create worlds. And when we don't have a word for what we're feeling, then we don't know who we are. We spiral into this place of thinking there's something wrong with us. So just like matrescence gives a word to this world that we feel as we become mums, I hope that just acknowledging that we're not going to bounce back, there's something like a post-pandemic depletion, will again give permission for a woman to say, I'm not rushing back. I'm not, I don't feel ready. I'm exhausted. I need to heal what has happened over the last two years. You're so right. And I love, love, love that words create worlds. It's so true. And I remember the first moment that I heard that term matrescence and it changed my life as well, as I know it did yours and the whole trajectory of your your life now and what you do and your passion and purpose. And so this word post pandemic depletion. How do you want people to feel? Because a lot of people will be hearing that for the first time now. How do you want, or not how you want people to feel, but how have you seen people respond and react hearing that 
phrase, that word for the first time? Tears of acknowledgement, permission to feel how they are feeling. And I want them to feel that there's nothing wrong with them. You know, when we look back in history, what we've done as mums, I hope, I hope it will be celebrated and held up on a pedestal and looked at like all of the great generations of women before us, like during world wars and the ones that we look at and think, look what my grandmother did, look what my great-great-grandmother did. We are that generation again. We just did this. We got through a global pandemic where we had to school our own children, work from home on a computer, do all of this. I mean, I want us to feel acknowledged, proud and allowed to stop now. You know when you go on holidays and you finally realise how tired you actually are? I want this space for all of us to be able to exhale. Unfortunately, I don't think we're at the exhale stage yet, especially with what's going on as we spoke about at the start of the podcast. You know, we've got natural disasters and possible wars, etc. But we can't wait any longer to acknowledge what we've been through. It reminds me, Zoe, of what we say to mums, you know, when the baby sleeps, I'll start looking after myself. When the kids go to school, I'll start doing this. And we put this idea of self-care or looking after ourselves around conditions that are outside of us. And I think we need to start putting this on ourselves now. You know, I have been through a lot for the last two years. What do I need? And start asking for it. It's so interesting, isn't it? Because I think a lot of what you were describing and what Dr. Oscar talks about, and you talked about that sort of wired hypervigilance. A lot of people that I speak to mainly hear in their words and their body language is that there's a fear in the exhale. There's a fear of the unraveling of the collapse. And I think that's so heightened with the wired hypervigilance that you described. Have you seen that? And how does someone approach that? How does someone talk back to that voice that says, yes, but I've got to keep going? We start with kindness. We recognise that that is a response to the last two years. I think the reason why it's so important is to be able to say to yourself, I see that I'm really struggling and slowing down right now. Or I see that I'm finding it hard to get back into that old rhythm. And we meet that with kindness. I often talk about, we know what it is like to be a mum. You know, when you see your toddler who is completely wired, they missed their sleep, they didn't eat their lunch, the playgroup was too loud, they've had all of the overstimulation and they totally lose it and then they can't sleep and they've gone past their sleep time and then they're overtired and then you're in this cycle of, oh, my God, I just need to get them back into the right place in the right routine. And we know how to meet that most of the time. Sometimes we might get angry and overwhelmed, but most of the time we can see why it's happened, right? We don't say to them, you're a bad child, you're never going to get on top of this. Why does this keep happening? You know, we don't say to them those things. We see their beautiful souls and see their behaviour as a reaction to the circumstance. And I think we need to do that for ourselves right now. We need to be the mother 
to ourselves and be able to see that our reaction, our spiral, our tantrums, whatever we're feeling, our exhaustion, however it shows up for you, is a reaction to the circumstance. It's not who you are. You're a great mum. You've done an amazing job over the last two years. You are feeling this because of what you've been through, not because of who you are. And we would do that for our kids, so we need to do that for ourselves. Powerful way of putting it. We've basically been wired toddlers for two years. Yes, exactly. And now we're so overtired we can't sleep. We've seen this in our kids. It's what happens so often. We're the same. Why can't we give ourselves the same kindness? We're just going to take a short break from the episode and I'm really excited because my sponsor this week is a product I use every day. So I'd heard of Athletic Greens on my friend Rongan Chatterjee's podcast and I thought about it. It was only when I saw my husband Guy had started taking it and I noticed a massive difference in his energy levels and the quality of his sleep. He's quite a bad sleeper and he was sleeping way, way, way better. So I thought I need to get me some of this. So I have been taking Athletic Greens every day since October and my energy levels have never been higher. Well, since having the girls. I take it first thing in the morning, right after I've made the girls porridge. It's super simple. It actually tastes quite nice. So with one delicious scoop of Athletic Greens, you're absorbing 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole sourced superfoods, easy for me to say, probiotics and adaptogens. It takes minutes to mix it up. So with very little time in our busy, busy, busy lives, taking my Athletic Greens is one thing I can do every single day to take care of myself. Every time I have it, I feel like I'm showing myself through my actions that I deserve to feel good and I'm worth looking after. It helps me remember my mantra. I can only be the mother I want to be when I look after myself too. So to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you one free year's supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash motherkind. Very important. That's athleticgreens.com slash motherkind to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Back to today's episode. The first step then is acknowledging everything that you've just so beautifully described. And then I'm guessing there's the release that might come with that. A grief... Mm or a shedding or a letting go, or that's normally what happens to me when I get that acknowledgement. There's almost like that, just like, oh, what next? Because obviously Dr. Oscar has these clearly defined steps, right? What are the steps in post-pandemic depletion? Definitely acknowledgement first. And then, as you said, the release. And if you can find a place to release it safely, I think what I have seen with all of the women that we've been working with over the last two years, this isn't a mental thing. This is also a body thing. You know, we can tell ourselves that it's understandable that you feel this way, but everything is still stored in our body. You know, trauma, by definition, is a sustained period of being asked to do more than you can give. And so there needs to be a balance between releasing what you felt, including the anger, 
the grief, the frustration, the resentment. So I often find that using your body to feel those emotions is really important. So for me, the first lockdown, I started to run. I never ran. I have not been a runner. I thought women who ran were crazy. Like, what what are you doing? You're just running. I didn't get it. I was always like a yoga girl. I was always more the softer practices. March 2020, I started running and I haven't stopped because this has allowed me to run and release these emotions because we've been locked in. We've been contained. And the feeling of release is so important. So what I really want to say about this is this is not a mental thing alone. You know, this is a mind, body, spirit thing. Yes, we need to understand it. We need to understand what is post-pandemic depletion? What do we mean by this? How has this affected me? What am I feeling? Logically reflect on it. Then we need to feel it in our body. I am angry. I am angry that my kids have lost two years of their childhood, that they didn't go to school camp, that they haven't had a birthday party, that they've become addicted to their iPads because we had no other option. I'm angry about that. And feel it and release it. Run, punch, a pillow, dance, talk to a friend, have a cry. We have to have that body release. And then for me, there's always the spiritual part of it, which is trying to really connect into what has this shown me and how will I grow? What were your answers to that question? What has this shown me and how will I grow? What it has shown me is that success and happiness is different than I thought. My whole life has changed over the last two years. So personally, my marriage ended right in the middle of that first year of COVID. So it's been a massive transition period for me. And what I've learned is I want a life that is more present than I was living. And I hear that in my community so much, that we were so focused on the next thing and the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. We were so focused on productivity and busyness, you know, soccer on Tuesday and reading on Wednesday and this on Thursday. And then we were all pulled back into this tiny life. And I've really realized that the simple things are more important than I realized. How has that changed how you live, that insight? I have completely redesigned my business, my work. (laughs) I have realized that I can't do it all and I actually don't want to. I've accepted so much more help. I've received so much more support, love, abundance. I'm not striving anymore. I'm now in a place of being. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. It sounds like the pandemic was a huge transformation and awakening. Oh, it has not been easy at all. It's been the, I often say in my work, it's the breaking down to break through. There's definitely been a lot of that in my personal life. But in the end, it's all what needed to happen. It's all what needed to happen. I am in a place where I feel so much clearer on what I want and who I want to be. And I've seen in this community of mums that, yeah, we've been through hell, all of us, whatever you've been through over the last two years. 
But I really wish that we could see ourselves as warriors, as the generation that have done this. You know, I think about those women back in previous generations and how fierce they were in saying what needed to change now. And I really want us to feel that we can say we're not going to do it that way anymore. We just did two years of doing this on our own and we're not going to do that again. I don't know if you've seen the statistics on the global resignation that's happening around the world where even though people are invited to go back into the office and back into their jobs, many, mostly working mothers are saying, no, I'm not doing this anymore. I've just seen how you value me. I've just seen how undervalue you place on my role as a mother. I've just sacrificed myself for two years trying to juggle motherhood and work and now you want me to come back? No, I'm not doing it anymore. What changes would you love to see both on a societal level, a structural level and on a personal level? What changes would you love to see each individual mother activating now? On a structural level, I think we have the best opportunity we've had in a really long time to talk about work-life balance. And such a cliched word, but I mean real balance in the sense of we can't go into work and pretend we're not mums anymore. We can't go in and pretend we didn't have a sick kid overnight or that we've got school holidays. Like we have a chance to say, I want to design this differently. You've seen that I can work from home. You see that I have only done five hours for the last three days because my kids had school and I still performed. I think we have the best opportunity to redesign the workplace right now, but also dads need to do it too. This is not a conversation just for mothers. The fathers need to go. I hope they've seen what it's like to be at home with the kids. I think they have. And I really hope and pray that they walk back into the office and redesign their work life as well. And on a mother's personal perspective, I just really want them to feel and hear that you don't need to rush back to the way it used to be. Just like matrescence is permission to say, I'm never going to be who I used to be before I had kids, but I don't know who I'm becoming yet, but I get to choose here. I want to be aware and conscious of the decisions and the programming and the stories that I have, and so let me define this myself. I think we can do it again now. I've seen over the last two years it doesn't work. It doesn't work me working these hours. It doesn't work with my partner not helping me around home. It doesn't work with me being so depleted. And now that everything's starting to go back to normal, no, I'm not going to go back to the way it was. I want to have conversations. I want to change the way things are. And I want to acknowledge the trauma, the depletion that I've been through and look after myself. Yeah, it's almost like what I'm hearing you saying is the two sides of that, isn't it? It's the awareness and the acknowledgement and the processing. And then I guess that's where the coaching or self-coaching would come in. What are some of those questions that people could ask themselves? You already said a few of them. What are my boundaries going to be now? How do I want my work life to look? How do I want my home life to look? What are some of those other questions? And I'm wondering if you're open to talk about it. What were some of the questions that you were asking yourself? Because you've transformed your work 
and your personal life. Because I think, you know, someone can grab their journal literally after this and start to figure that stuff out for themselves. Oh, I love this so much. Okay, first, I think we always need to acknowledge what's happened. So in my programs, I have a process called Descansos, which comes from Clarissa Pinkola Estes, who's the author of The Women Who Run With Wolves. I always get that title slightly wrong, so I'm sorry if I've just missaid that. And she talks about this process. Descansos is the markings on the side of the road when someone has died in a car crash. And so they're scattered through South America. It's the name of those crosses. You know, when you see flowers and they're like little shrines when someone's life has ended there. So a lot of my work is exactly what you said. It's both the theory of what has happened to us and understanding it logically in our mind and then trying to process it and move forward. And so often in the self-help industry, it's you know, affirmations and moving on, like I'm the best mum and I love my life and rah, rah, rah. And why that doesn't work is because we haven't grieved. We haven't grieved the loss of what we had or what we thought it would be. For example, you haven't been able to grieve the birth you didn't get or you haven't been able to grieve that you couldn't breastfeed like you'd hoped. You haven't grieved that your partner actually wasn't there for you in the first few months like you thought he would be or she would be. You know, we so often try to move women forward into positivity. It's this, be happy with what you have, look at how blessed you are, all of that. And so a lot of what I really am passionate about is this process of descansos, this process of looking and marking. So descansos is a process of marking the moments with something happened and it needs to be honoured. So if you're listening and you feel that there's a lot that you lost over the last two years, there's a lot that you haven't processed yet, then I would invite you to have a journal and notebook in front of you and literally do a little cross and say, the birthday party I couldn't hold for my son. And another cross, that holiday I had to cancel three times. And really mark all of these things because you know what? They're freaking important. They were important and we keep going. We think we just have to keep going. We have to keep going. We have to keep going. I've got to be positive. Now things are better. And we hold that stuff in our body. We hold that. Like even just saying that then, again, I could feel the emotions in my throat. But here's the important thing with this process. You mark it. You honour it. You write it down so it's seen and it's acknowledged. And then you say to yourself, I know, I see what that is. I acknowledge the pain, the grief, the sadness of that. You make that cross mark again and you say, I honour it, I leave it here. We have to because that is what that process of descansos was, was here is the resting place. Here is the resting place. I leave flowers here, I honour here, and when I walk away, it stays there. So this was a beautiful process I learned many years ago that I've shared with so many mums that is so powerful. So if you're feeling like there's parts of the last two years that you haven't acknowledged, then yes, go through this process, write them down, and then as you reread them or make that mark again, say, I honour you, I honour that moment, I grieve it, I acknowledge it, 
and I leave it. And you take a breath and you do the next one and the next one and the next one. And then you start looking forward. But we can't move on until we acknowledge what we've been through. And this is why I think there's such a correlation between becoming a mum and this pandemic, which is the day-to-day reality of what it looks like isn't acknowledged. We don't give women space to say, that bit hurt, that bit was sad, that bit wasn't the way I thought it would be. We just keep pushing them to keep going and, you know, go back to who you used to be. And if we could use this time to not only grieve the last two years, but perhaps there's some things around your motherhood experience you would like to put down on that list as well, then give yourself lots of grace, move through it, and then, you know, fold the piece of paper, burn it, do what you want. But no, it's acknowledged, it's not ignored. It was important. That birthday party that you had to cancel for two years in a row is important. Write it down, mark it. Such a beautiful process. And then what are some of the questions then on the other side, the moving forward questions, the activist questions, the transformation questions? What are those questions or is that process the same? No, the process then is to really kind of gather together the strength that you've found in yourself over the last two years. So then the questions to write down is, and what have I learnt? What are my priorities or values now? What am I ready to let go of? And what am I ready to step into? Because this is what I think we've learned so clearly is I don't care about all of those other things that used to worry me. Now my biggest value is time with my kids, time outdoors. This is our chance to redefine our values because of what we've been through. Yeah, I feel like pandemic just brilliantly for me took everything away and the things that I thought were important weren't and the things that perhaps I wasn't valuing enough are the most important things. Time with my family, being able to hug my grandma who died in the pandemic. I'm so actually grateful that I did see a lot of her pre-pandemic, but I also prioritised other things over seeing her for the weekend, for sure. I feel like taking everything away was just so hard, but also from a personal transformation perspective, incredible because that's quite rare that you really get to sift through isn't it what does matter and what doesn't matter it's another rite of passage you know we're meant to go through these periods in our life that invite us to question what's important and I believe that this two-year period is asking us to ask ourselves this and I refuse to go back to the way that we were I have a 14-year-old who has been incredibly affected in her mental health by the pandemic and I look at her and she is demanding that the world is different. Our kids are going to want to see that we learned our lessons here, that we took the lessons out of this and we made changes, that we went back to our workplace and refused to commute for three hours a day again. This is our chance. Just like matrescence, it's a chance for us to say, wait, stop. What does this mean to me? Who do I want to be? Because so much of life is about the treadmill. And if we're not careful, we will be back 
on that treadmill again really soon and I don't think we want to be. We really don't want to be. It's such a powerful and clear message and I'm very grateful to you because, you know, I've thought about this, just talking to you and hearing it, it's so clear. It is so clear and I haven't done enough of the grieving. I really haven't and actually on a podcast the other day, she happened to be a grief expert but that isn't what we were talking about. And I just found myself in floods of tears. My system could tell she was safe. And I was just bawling my eyes out, which tells me I've got a lot more processing to do around my not being able to see my grandmother when she died. She died alone. But I love what you just said. You felt it was a safe place. And so what I want to say to everybody who's listening is, and I hope this doesn't sound too harsh, but it's really what I believe The world we live in doesn't make us feel safe to grieve. It doesn't allow us to pause and say, you know, six months, 12 months down the track, oh, that's really sad that that happened because we're always being pushed to keep going. So find a place that is safe for you to talk about what happened last year, two years ago, 10 years ago. We are allowed to process this in our own time We're allowed to stop, we're allowed to heal, we're allowed to say no, we're allowed to rest on the couch for the next three months after what we've been through. It is not a sign of weakness, it's actually a phenomenal strength because we're not going to do it that way anymore. Yeah, you know, our capitalist Western society needs us to keep going. That's the way it is set up. It is set up like we are robots and like we have to just keep going on the conveyor belt. We don't have to buy into that. It's a state of activism to rest. It really is. It is. And, you know, you said to me, what do you want women to hear around this post-pandemic depletion? Yes, it's the acknowledgement, it's the understanding, it's the permission to rest, but it's also this awareness that this is the greatest thing we can do is say, we've been through a lot. We need a moment before we get back on the conveyor belt on that treadmill. We're not going to just keep going. I actually think this could be a really powerful turning point for mothers. What does that look like practically? Is that people saying, I want a sabbatical? Is that people saying, I'm going to quit, I'm going to start my own business? Is that people saying, I'm going to sell my big house, move to a tiny house so I've got a lower mortgage and I can rest for a bit? What does that practically look like? All of the above. I've seen women who joined me in March 2020 who are still in my community. They're different. They are completely different women than they were two years ago. And yes, all of the things, reconsidering careers, reconsidering where they live, downsizing, saying no to a lot of different things. But on a micro level, there's a lot of different conversations in relationships. There's a lot of conversations around the mother load, the balance at home, his career or their career versus my career. There's a lot of more honesty, more awareness, perhaps a little bit more of a feisty voice as in, no, you have to do that because I did it yesterday. There's a little bit of that stirring of this isn't okay it should be better than and different than this, which makes me incredibly excited because I think that's where we need to start. (laughs) You think we're going to see real 
systematic and societal change in the next decade? I hope so, Zoe. I'm a glass half full person. I Just today, I had a woman who's done the mummerizing training reach out to me and say she's spoken to her company, which is a big company here in Australia, about supporting women coming back from work differently. And they invited her to pitch it to the Asia-Pacific head of people. And the head of people said to her, what we've found in our company is 30% of the women who return to work after maternity leave either don't come back or are gone within six months of returning. And we want to figure out why. And I was like, oh, my gosh, here we go. Maybe we can start getting a different conversation going. It isn't just about hours when a woman returns to work. It's not just about part-time or a breastfeeding room, a pumping room down the hallway. This has to be a complete redefining of what it looks like to balance life and work because isn't that what the pandemic has shown us? That we don't just show up at work as a solo person with nothing else going on. We turn up as human beings with children, pets, parents, friends in crises. We're affected by what happened on the news, by the traffic, by the weather. We are human beings. We're not robots, as you said. We have to start having that conversation. And, yeah, I am hopeful that that's what's going to happen. Me too. And I always ask the same question at the end, which is if you could give just one gift, to all the mothers in the world, what would that one gift be and why? It would change depending on the day. But right now, based on our conversation, I would want mummers to know that their body is telling them something. Their tiredness, their anxiety, their anger is saying that it's enough. And to really listen to what they're feeling And know that it's not a failure, it's nothing broken, it's a symptom, like we said, with our toddlers, it's a symptom of the circumstances you've been through. And instead of pushing through, create some space for you to sit down with yourself or with a friend or a beautiful safe space and find out what is it that you really need before you just keep going and going and going and going. Beautiful, thank you. It's always such a joy such a joy speaking to you and I think I have personally taken so much from this conversation and I really hope that everyone listening has as well I'm certain so thank you thanks Zoe you asked the best questions so thank you (laughs) it's my special skill (laughs) it is your special skill (laughs) thank you so much for having me again it's just beautiful you're welcome So that was the episode. I hope that you really enjoyed it. As ever, if you did, please consider sharing it with your friends and leaving me a review on iTunes. It really does make a difference to the number of mums that we can reach with the brilliant wisdom of the guests I have on. Also, just a reminder about the Family Reset Plan. It's my latest offering to parents. I think that we are living in probably the challenge of our lifetimes. Well, definitely so far. And as parents, we not only have to support ourselves, we also have to support our children. And that is a lot. So the Family Reset Plan is myself and two brilliant psychologists 
and we give you step-by-step, simple, applicable ways that you can support yourself emotionally to feel stronger, calmer, and therefore to support your children in a different way. It's all grounded in psychology and neuroscience. It's just £25 currently. And if you work for the NHS, it is totally free for you. So check out the website, familyresetplan.co.uk. Take care. I'll see you next time. Hi, I'm Lauren. And I'm Nicole. And if you enjoy this show, you will love our podcast, Self Care Club. Every week, we trial a different form of self care and report back on the results. We've tried everything from cuddle therapy, setting boundaries, laughter yoga, and many more. Two friends who rarely agree on anything, testing out the world of self care so you don't have to. We've even written a book dedicated to self care practices that cost you nothing. You can listen to Self Care Club wherever you get your podcasts. Or to purchase our book, search Have You Tried This on Amazon.